Reduce, reuse, refashion. Hi, and welcome to my first episode in the new year of 2021. I am so excited to be back after holiday season break. I hope you spend this time to connect with your family and have a great time, but also to catch up with the episodes of my podcast that you haven't listened to yet. I do hope that today's episode was worth the wait. This time, I'm talking to Melissa Minka, founder of Ethical Fashion Label in Berlin. Melissa is an independent, self-taught designer, upcycling secondhand and vintage items, scraps and fabric leftovers to unique and one-of-a-kind pieces. She is also making custom designs in order to prevent overproduction. Her clothes are usually fitted for eccentric individuals, but are suited to anyone who wants to express their personality and advocate their values through their clothes. Her designs promote genderless fashion, social and racial justice, among other global and environmental causes. However, Melissa admits that upcycling alone won't fix everything. That's why she encourages everyone to actively support and demand change through meaningful actions, conscious purchasing decisions, and bold self-expression through clothes that you wear. In this episode, we deep dive into these topics even further. But not only that, we also talk about the challenges of being a small, independent designer, collaborations with big brands, and the duality of the fashion industry. You will find this episode particularly interesting if you are a young designer thinking of starting your own label. And of course, it is suitable for everyone else who is interested in sustainable fashion and design industry and would like to get a sneak peek into its backstage. Without further ado, let's listen to our talk. So, Melissa, how about you tell us a bit about yourself? Who are you? Um, What do you do? And what is the idea behind your brand? The idea is to upcycle clothes. That's what I do. I'm, uh, I call myself an upcycler, I guess, because I don't know, to call yourself a fashion designer, yeah, maybe that's a bit of a stretch because I, I didn't study it and I feel kind of like I have a complex connected to that. <laughs> so upcycler would be a better name for me. Um, yeah, I, I create uh, one-of-a-kind clothes from, from secondhand textiles, reclaimed fabrics, and other materials. And the, the two main ideas behind the brand are, uh, I would just I want people to have fun with clothes, first and foremost, and uh, to, to just express their uniqueness and originality. Um, and the second idea is to raise awareness about the... Uh, the issues connected to fast fashion and generally with the the global that the global society is facing today. Um, the environmental issues are uh, the the main focus, but I also um, talk about social and political issues. And what is fashion to you personally? So it's, as I said, it's about self-expression. I think for most people, that's what fashion is. 
but uh, I also strongly believe the, in the, the political element of fashion and the, the transformative uh, potential. So that's very important. I feel like no matter what you do today, it, it should have this element because <clears throat> the status quo is not really working for the majority of people in the world. So we should all be trying to change that. And um, just to clarify, what do you mean exactly by saying uh, political aspect and how can fashion advocate that? I mean, what you put on is uh, somebody had to make it, somebody sold it, and the, there are implications of this. Um, as you know, most of the clothes are made by people who are not paid enough, not not only paid enough, but this, they can be considered slaves by um, the standards. So that is political in itself. Just one example. I don't know another one. Um, uh, you can you can say a lot of things by with what you wear, uh, whether it's a slogan or or something or um, anything like that. You know. Uh, I don't know, when women started to wear pants, that was super political, right? So that's, that's what I mean. Um, so I think in that sense, uh, you're definitely um, contributing to a higher cause. And uh, I was just wondering, uh, how did it all start? Did you start off uh, with a political ideology, uh, ideology in mind or um, did it evolve through time? Um. Yeah, I'd say definitely. I mean, you know, what do you mean start? You mean start the brand? Start the brand, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was uh that was one of the reasons obviously. I um I studied sustainable development and politics at the university, so um that was definitely always um whatever I was going to do in life um I, I would try to keep that in mind, whatever I learned and whatever I'm trying to achieve. So yeah, uh, I I started the brand kind of by accident because <laughs> uh, I was just, I was unemployed in, in Berlin for a long time because I just couldn't find a job. Nobody wanted to give me a job. Um, then I got one job, but I got fired from it because it was a shit job. And uh, then I was in the job center and then they asked me like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, <laughs> finally, somebody asked me what I wanted to do because um, usually they, they just kind of give you the jobs that you're qualified for and what I was qualified for. Um, none of the stuff really appealed to me. I didn't really want to work for the government, to be honest. So um, that kind of came my way and then, um, I, from the, from the very beginning, I, I was using secondhand clothes and fabrics because I was learning, I was teaching myself how to sew and I just didn't want to waste perfectly good material. So that was kind of my answer to that. And then from there, I don't know, it's, it's very hard to explain because it's just so natural to you to, to like do these things. And um, obviously where it was in the beginning it's it's way you know further now so it's like a journey like always try to make the most of of what you do and uh, I hope it's uh, the message is getting stronger 
I know how to go about it. I learned a lot about what I want to say and how and uh, whether what I'm saying is helping, uh, who it's helping. Is it helping me or is it, is it helping everybody, you know? So it's still I'm on a journey to like figure out how to, how to do it best. <laughs> Um, I think it was a very deep answer. And uh, if I'm correct, uh, you started uh, back in 2018. So it has been pretty yeah. rough two years for you to um, go through the whole journey and uh, face those challenges um, that you uh, quickly touched upon already. What would you say would be um, the main two or three challenges that you have uh, faced through the journey so far? Well, the, the biggest challenge I think for anybody who's starting a brand from scratch is that um, you have to invest some money into, if you want to make it yourself, obviously, then you have to get some equipment, you have to get a space. I'm still working from my living room, which because I still don't have, I still don't make enough to, to have a space. So that's definitely a big, a big challenge for anybody who's starting out is if you don't have money, then it's going to be quite tight and quite stressful sometimes. And um, a lot of the things you'll just have to be creative with because, <laughs> um, because you just don't have any money. And then, and then another, um, another big challenge I would say is um, to just um, sort of establish yourself, you know, um, the, my prices are not exactly, um, com they, they can't compete with fast fashion. And, and that's, that's definitely a challenge to, to show people why it's more expensive, why they should invest in this rather than in a fast fashion thing. And uh, as a new brand, that can be a big challenge because they don't know you, they don't know what kind of quality you deliver. So they might not um, trust you and then they just end up buying from somebody more established. So that's, that's uh, hard to, um, to, it's hard to start because you don't have money and then it's hard to make money. <laughs> that sounds um, like the main challenge for sure. It is crucial to uh, grow your business and um, by growing your business, you also um, create a, a bigger team. And then obviously you want to stay with you longer instead of having short-term interns or also maybe you want to reward uh, them for their work as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had many interns. I At the end, I was like, I wish, I, I really wish I could keep you and just throw money at you and you work with me now. And, and you know, I, I just, I can't do that. And you can also question the, the you know the the ethics of of what I do that I get interns for three months because in Germany legally I'm I'm allowed to do that and not pay them as long as they're students, um, and it, it like the, the more time passes the more it kind of feels wrong you know and um, at least what they tell me is that they enjoy the internships because. Um, they get they get a lot of responsibility here as opposed to in like a bigger company where some of them told me they had them make coffees all day and they didn't really learn that much. So like here it's very hands on and I'm hope I'm hoping that even though I don't pay them, they take as much away from here as possible. 
Um, that's that's that I wanted to say that <laughs> absolutely no I totally contribute to that and um, I believe that uh, by helping a small business or a um, small brand uh, grow uh, you can develop yourself better as a person and you can take up more tasks uh, and you are more creative you have more freedom versus um, adhering to some uh, bigger companies rules or things like that so I think there's definitely a um, reason uh, why people um, uh, voluntarily join you and they uh, are so motivated to help your brand uh, grow. And I think also maybe they are motivated by your brand per se. Your design, in my eyes, uh, it's very unique and uh, very specific. And I wouldn't say that I could go to H&M or Zara and just get what the same thing I get from your brand. Well, uh, no, you can't, and you can't sometimes even get two of the same because I just make um, stuff one of a kind mostly, so it's hard. But you just mentioned that you make things one of a kind. Um, so could, us, could you tell us a bit more about your materials, uh, what you use, and um, why are your pieces unique and um, personally made? Um, uh, so I just believe that um, it's just more fun if everybody's wearing something different. No, I mean, I really believe that. I don't know. Not everybody has the same view of, you know, clothing. Like some, some people really don't care what they put on and that's fine. But the people who do care, um, I think they will join me in this. Um, you know, the, the, the more unique the thing is, the the more personal it is, the more you feel like keeping it as opposed to throwing it away when the trend dies, you know, um, that's why also I, I, I don't live in a vacuum. So obviously the trends do reflect uh, what I make or vice versa. But um, that's uh, to go back to your question, uh, where I get these things is in secondhand shops, um, and then there you only get one of each. You don't have a rack full of the same thing. Sometimes you do when it's stuff like suits or you know other things you can get more of. Um, and then also uh, I get uh, scraps on, on eBay, for example. Like people are selling, I don't know, like pieces of leather that are this big. And then you get like, 20 of them and then you can do a patchwork so I get that and then also in Berlin it's uh, it's quite interesting that and I haven't really seen that anywhere else is that people just put out boxes in the street full of clothes that they don't want as opposed to taking them somewhere or even god forbid putting them in the containers um, from Humana and then they travel to Africa and they travel back and it's like a shit show so I get these um, some some of these clothes are from the street I don't know how people look at that, you know, like, obviously I take them home, I wash them very carefully. So, you know, they're clean, but uh, it might be um, something that some people would like, I don't know, uh, maybe not quite comfortable with. So I'm not shouting about it, uh, especially like specifically which piece was, <laughs> was made from a, a piece I found in the street. Um, yeah, so, so, so that kind of, like where I source my materials then um, informs uh, the design and that's why they end up one of a kind because it's just, I can't mass produce these things. 
That's true. But sometimes it must be challenging to create a design uh, when you have uh, uh, small scraps, as you mentioned, like small leather scraps, then you have to really use your imagination. How do you envision them together, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's where that's where um, this process is so much different from just, uh, you know, like classic designing. I, I, that Because I never studied it, I kind of learned later that, uh, you know, you're supposed to think of a design and sketch it and then go out, get your materials or whatever. And this is kind of the opposite. Like you get your materials first and then you you try to figure out what to do with them. A uh, very important thing to me is to not create waste. So that's always a very, very important aspect of the of the process. It's uh, you don't just want to design whatever first pops in your head, but you have to adjust it so you don't um, waste a lot of the material. And if you end up with waste, then you better have an idea what to do with it later. I have a, a big box full of scraps that I, I um, regularly go back to and then just browse and then maybe like inspiration strikes and then I just make something from from my own scraps that I made. So yeah, um, you just need to be creative. I, I think um, limits are good for me personally. I enjoy when there is um, some sort of boundary and then um, the, the process is, uh, is sort of limited and then I get creative, yeah. I think uh, sometimes limits do help uh, us get a bit more creative, but it, on the other hand, makes it a bit more difficult to scale your business um how do you see that yeah no definitely i mean i've been i've been thinking about this a lot it's like um 2020 was supposed to be the the year when i i sort of made some steps towards um growing and it's not because i want to make a lot of money it's it's only because i feel like how i do things now is unsustainable psychologically and physically <laughs> because the amount of time I put in this um, is, is, is just too much. Like one cannot sustain this um, for years and I wanna do this for years and maybe my whole life, I, I don't know, I'll see about that. But um, that's why I was trying to figure out how to scale this and how to, um, you know, maybe save some time. And it, 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 there are, I have some ideas, you know, you can have stuff made um, or not made, but reworked. Let's say you get a tw 20 suits and um, you find yourself a workshop, uh, maybe in Germany, maybe in Poland, maybe in Slovakia where I come from. And then um, basically they're doing the same, they're producing something for you, but the materials are already, um, secondhand so they are reworking um this could work and uh, i was planning to you know find this workshop or find this 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 place where where these things would be made but um couldn't travel and that's very important for me i, I want to know the place that will make the stuff so you know the, the whole operation is supposed to be transparent so i don't want to just ship the shit somewhere and then you know you don't even know what like what the place looks like if people are treated fairly or paid fairly and all of these things so yeah that's that's one way how to how to do this you just basically outsource but you're not giving them new materials but um reclaimed and secondhand mm -hmm. 
I think uh, dealing with the secondhand or pre-loved materials is especially challenging um, for the reasons that we already touched upon. And also because of the um, other aspect, which is, I think, very interesting to discuss, um, the people's uh, conception about the secondhand and uh, pre-loved items. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you usually hear about that? I, it's, it's way different now than it used to be, you know, like when, uh, when I started to sort of dabble in fashion or when I used to have my own fashion blog, um, way back when this 2012, I started one. Uh, yeah, it was 2012. Um, it depends on the place, you know, uh, now generally, I don't know, I, I looked at some reports and um, the vintage is having a moment, secondhand is having a moment and it's it's been, you know, the, the, the size of the market's been increasing. So that's a, that's a good, um, that's a good thing. But uh, I think, yeah, but still some people find a way to, you know, um, have a problem with secondhand i think when i was leaving slovakia in in like 2011 or, or something like that it was still very much if you go to secondhand you must be poor because why would you buy something that somebody already wore you know it's like a status it's a status thing like you you'd buy a new thing obviously and then um people would I don't know like you show your status with the with the new thing as opposed to the old thing but this changing it's good but I also want to say it, it it's not without um it's not without problems because like what's happening now for example is that um a lot of these resellers are popping up and that's um that's a that that's a little bit problematic you know when you when you buy stuff for cheap and then you resell it for for higher and then you might question like okay well th those things were there for people who don't have a lot of money to buy and then you just buy them up the best stuff in the second hand you just sell it on you don't even do anything to it you just sell it on for more money yeah i i don't know i i don't quite agree with with doing this even even when i'm in the second hand like you could you could ask yourself like okay is she taking away um from somebody who would who would buy it for that price yeah maybe but i'd say to that that there's there's enough secondhand in this on this planet to just last us i don't know how many lifetimes if we wanted to wear it upcycle it or do whatever with it there is so much Definitely. And a lot of that goes to uh, landfill or incineration still. So if it got um, resold, it would be even more of the supply or a lot more clothes to browse from, I would say. Uh, but we also have so much secondhand that um, countries are um, um, banning the new batches and they just incinerate them. So I think there is a huge problem of overproduction in the first place. Um, sure, overproduction, definitely. And then, you know, the quality, like not everything you can upcycle. Um, there are, I don't know, for example, my least favorite material is um, like uh, polyester jersey. You know, that you mm -hmm. can't like, you can't do much with that. It's it's really hard to do anything with that if if you don't have the proper equipment or, even it just the material depreciates so fast that 
it's of course it ends up on a landfill and and it, because the person who wore it let's say 20 times it's kind of dead you just chuck it <laughs> that's true i i can totally agree that a lot of um clothes uh, which are being sold there of such bad quality that Either you wear them off and then you just have to get rid of them and hoping that someone will uh, recycle them or upcycle uh, in the industrial setup or it, at worst case, it will just end up in the, in the landfill because we just cannot do anything out of it afterwards. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the recycling, you know, it's like it's hailed like, oh, my God, we recycle. Um, but it's it, I, I read, um, uh, but it was about plastics. It wasn't about just clothes, but there was, it was 9% of plastics get recycled, which is really low. And also, as you said, you need um, special, you need a special place where to recycle special machines and all of this. And not everybody have, has that, you know. Mm, of course. So, uh, do you know what is the recycling landscape in Germany? The only thing I know is that there are um, the dumpsters where you can where you can put the where you can put the clothes, but then mm. it it really depends what company is behind these dumpsters because a lot of the time they um, they take all of this and then they ship it uh, like across the world to to sell for really cheap in um, low income countries. So I, I don't know whether there is a textile recycling here. I mean, apart from small brands like me and other ones that uh, specialize in, in upcycling or recycling of different materials. I don't know what else is here that recycles mm -hmm. textiles. I think it really, it, it definitely differs across different countries and um, the landscape is yet to... Um, be improved to say the least um you know when we talked about the secondhand uh, perception you said in slovakia it was uh, definitely a status thing um is it different in berlin well yeah sure i mean uh i feel like here the the there is almost a culture of, of secondhand and uh, vintage. There are so many places where you can buy it. Um, people, as I said, put these boxes out so they, they kind of get it that maybe that's better than to put it in, in, the, in the big clothes bin. So yeah, if I had to compare it, I, I'd say here it's a bit the, the culture of, you know, re-wearing is a bit uh, more developed. But it's, 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 I, I don't want to throw shade at Slovakia. Slovakia has, you know, there is new, new places are popping up um, more and more. So they're definitely catching up with this. Of course, the young young people, you know, and then and then the old grandmas who who would shop in second hands anyway because they didn't care what people think of them. Um, like those are always going to be there. I mean, the best second hand sometimes is in Slovakia because the 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 scene is smaller. So when I go there, I I find the stuff that people don't want that I want, <laughs> you know. Yes, of course, and um, I mean I've been doing second hand shopping since I can remember myself. And uh, I would say it is definitely time consuming, but you can get um, secondhand treasures that uh, someone else just dumped, but you value it. That's, you know, then you take over and then 
it's uh, become valuable to you. So I think um, definitely secondhand may not be for everybody. I think everybody should try it out at least. Uh, but um, there are some ways how we can bring it closer to people. And um, for example, um, a person like you, right? And you uh, see the secondhand clothes um, through your eyes and then you use your imagination to put them into new masterpiece. So then, you know, you bring it closer to those people who um, then see your creation, you know, who appeals to them. And uh, how I see your uh, label as well is that it is some kind of a bridge, right? Between the uh, ethical fashion and contemporary design. Because we are not really talking about um, any other um, suit you can buy somewhere else or any other pants, you know, but just made by you. We're talking about very eccentric uh, and a bit of a rebellious design, if I may say that. <laughs> So I think uh, you are definitely targeting a very specific audience. Uh, do you notice what is the uh, common characteristics of your customers who buy uh, Melissa Minka brand clothes? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, they're usually young people. I, I wouldn't expect anything else, obviously. Um, there, I have some customers that are a bit older and I value them so much because I'm like, yeah, you know, somehow, you know, to dress um, extravagant or uh, to dress a bit uh, more than the ordinary is uh, is like a young thing. But I, I don't believe that. I think everybody can dress uh, whatever they like, whatever suits them. So I'm always happy when I when I get uh, like an older person ordering or like a custom order. Um, then um, what else I'd say, they're mostly women as well, because again, you know, it's, it's deemed um, by our society to, to dress more extravagant. It's like a girl thing or, or a woman thing, or uh, men are afraid of it or whatever, because uh, people would shame them or call them gay or something like that. But this is changing and that's, that's great. So I do get some guys and, and I, I've, I've, I think I'm still working on um, putting across this um, idea of, of genderless clothing like you can just wear it if it fits you if you want to wear it and it, it, it shouldn't matter what your gender is so uh, the, mostly women and then I'd say from from urban areas from from bigger cities I get orders and that's just because again you know in, in the city you have people who dress a bit more um extravagantly than uh, in a in a smaller smaller places um and then from all around the world i I've mostly from europe but i get orders from everywhere i mean you can if i if you ship worldwide then maybe you will get some orders from other places out of all those uh, places worldwide uh where would you say you ship most to? so not from europe not from europe yeah um, to the US. US. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, have you ever uh, seen your uh, design uh, by accident? Maybe you ran into someone somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. And it's, it's always, it's always, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like there, there, there are many great feelings, but this is a great feeling. I really <laughs> love um, seeing that. I was in the club uh, in Berlin called 
Berghain <laughs> like a long time ago and there was a girl and she just passed uh, past me and I'm like ah, it's my pants and I came to her and I was a bit tipsy uh, to say the least and then I was like I, I love your pants who made them and she's like I, I got them in the shop and the shop is where I have my uh, where I stock um, here in Berlin called uh, ironic gallery so she just bought them there and she had like no idea that maybe I made them or like maybe the designer is also based in Berlin she just bought some pants and so and then I told her and and we had like a nice uh, nice combo and it was just so lovely I really loved it That's so <laughs> awesome. I feel I feel great <laughs> I cannot even imagine that feeling, but I, I bet it's it's amazing. You cannot really replicate it by anything else. I mean, well, it's it's just about, you know, like um, I'm here all day making these clothes and then we put them on models and they look great. And so that's like the initial like, oh, my God, I love this. And then um, then the, the clothes go on, on their way so when people buy them. And then um, it's it's kind of personal like I, I think everybody who makes stuff themselves uh, feels the similar similar way when when it just goes off and you're like okay I spent you know two days making this and now maybe I'll never see it again so I always um, try to encourage and nudge people to either send me pictures or post them I'm like that's that's what makes me the happiest because then I see that they really like the piece and they they want to show it off so yeah I, I wish that um, every piece that I make that that leaves the studio I could see again on the person but it, that doesn't happen always so <laughs> yeah I can understand that uh, I just hope you will get more of the um, visual feedback then <laughs> yeah me too and what do you think about fashion revolution movement uh, about um, uh, the poster who made my clothes or there would be some fab uh, fabric workers or some um, small brand owners uh, who would hold the sign I made your clothes do you think that has a certain relation uh, does that create the relation between the, the person who created and the person who bought the item potentially i mean yeah like what's what there's nothing nothing wrong with that it can it can only it can only help i don't know uh yeah you why wouldn't you why shouldn't you know who made your clothes not even clothes like other things you know it's it's living in a city especially it's it's just everything's so impersonal you know you don't know who made your food you don't know who made your anything you know so um, sort of going back to this uh, kind of local vibe that uh, you, you know who made this, you know the person, maybe you even talk to the person, maybe you're even friends with the person. Like that's, um, that's something that uh, is kind of very human, but we don't really do that that much anymore because of globalization and like all of this. So I'm not saying like, let's go back to the cave, but I'm saying like, yeah, it's, it's definitely important to, to know where your stuff comes from because then you maybe value it more and uh, you get to know about the process and then it just makes you more informed and makes you look at things differently, makes you appreciate the process and all of these things. I think that's very, very right. Uh, if I just shared my experience with that, I would say it's a great initiative, uh, but I don't think that is as 
personal as uh, your example where you just saw the person you know wearing the uh, pants in real life for example when I see those pictures I think it's it's great and it's awesome but if I just see person who lives so far away and I then I believe this closes uh, they traveled so long and they went through so much that I think this relationship got lost even if I see the person behind and then I question like but is the person getting a, a, a great wage or is it just you know a momentum and then they just use it as promotion I mean, yeah you can you can always question these um, these initiatives to an extent like okay how much of that is genuine and how much of that is marketing like yeah. sure you, you can always question that that's true but then the, the globalized just, world you know yeah yeah you're right um, but then I recently just uh, saw some people in uh, Lithuania, where I'm from, uh, holding those signs. And then I felt, oh, okay, now I can relate because this is something closer to me. This is something where I come from. And then I know those people. I know how they live. And I think it was very nice to see that. So it just varies through the extent, I think. But overall, the initiative is, is great. Yeah, just to... Yeah, one, 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 more, one more thing. Yeah, it's you know, uh, transparency is getting uh, more and more recognition that it's important. Um, what I wanted to add one more thing is that I enjoy when um, when people make studio appointments because, um, and they get to come here. I mean, this year it wasn't that possible because there's one lockdown, another lockdown, we had to put on masks, which is not a problem. Like I still had studio appointments this year, but it's just so nice when you um, when you get to, just meet the people, you know, and, and with, with smaller brands, you have maybe uh, this, this kind of opportunity more than with anybody bigger. Like uh, whoever wants to book an appointment can, can come here, browse, talk to me, ask me how it was made, what was the idea behind it? And then again, that makes the, the, the clothes, whatever you're buying uh, a bit more dear to you. And hopefully it makes you want to keep it until it falls apart. <laughs> I, can I can totally agree to that. Uh, but also with your brand, you try to advocate uh, other causes like freedom of expression, social and racial justice, um, gender equality, and as you mentioned, therefore you try to advocate the genderless fashion. Uh, why do you think it's it's important to talk about those things and um, uh, advocate that with your own actions? Um, as I said, uh, it's everybody has a place in this world, you know, and. Uh, if you're from the from the side that doesn't benefit from the current system, then it's your moral almost uh, like imperative to to do something about stuff. You know, if you don't do anything, you're complicit. And then, what does that make you for a person? So I think we should all strive to fight for what we believe in. And uh, these are the things I believe in, and uh, these are the things that I had to educate myself about and I'm still educating myself about um, every day to as I said in the very beginning of this interview it's just to do it right you know to mm -hmm. do the right things um, that will you know all of your actions will have implications so I just want to make sure that um, I'm doing the the best with my time and with my platform uh, because I have a few people listening to me and I think it would be 
uh, not just a shame, but it would be a waste if I didn't use that to, you know, further um, some of these very, very important causes. Yeah, that's true. Are you a part of some other uh, movements or do you advocate it through your brand mostly? Well, this is the thing, like, um, I think it's, it's very important that I become a part of different things. <laughs> and the, the sole reason why, why I'm mostly doing it through the brand is because time-wise, that's what I can do, you know, I'm, I'm just here all day. And if you'd know, if you take care of the production, it's, it's basically the biggest chunk of your time. And that's why, you know, that's why I was trying, um, this year to, to figure out how to not do all the production so I have more time for these things um, that are that are important. So yeah, not 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 really not yet. I donate money, but you know how that is like you donate it's, it's better when you um, when you do it yourself when you actually take action outside of, of your just a job. but I, I don't know. You know, you can, can do a lot with with a platform. I try to do the, the, the most. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and I think in, in, in your case, that makes uh, a really good sense for that. And uh, I, by following you, I get this impression a lot. So here's a uh, feedback to you. You know, I think uh, your message uh, goes through very clearly and uh, you definitely um, celebrate that diversity. I can see that through your designs being worn by both men and women, and that would be like the same design. For example, uh, the satin uh, ruffle panties, which to me, it seemed like more like a female uh, outfit. But then I saw some guys also wearing them and I thought to myself like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Like, I really like it. It's, you know, a creative expression of yourself. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not just about guys, these, um, these panties. I, I have a friend who told me that um, they would wear the panties, but uh, the panties don't have, a, uh, don't have space for anything else there, mm. you know? And then that, yeah. that was, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to that friend to like point my attention towards this. Like there are people who want to wear these, but there needs it need, there needs to be an adjustment to um, to this design, and it's it's not necessarily men. That's what I'm trying to say. Like there are all sorts of genders who want to wear these things, and so um, that's why I adjusted these panties. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. That's awesome. Also, um, uh, what about those uh, butt pants that uh, you made? Tell us a bit about them. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think I was just, uh, sitting here sketching, uh, like I do some evenings and, uh, I just, I had this idea or I, I saw the, the, the pants that, um, McQueen made the, the very low pants that you would see the, the crack cause they were so low. And I was just like, I love those. And then. I had a bunch of pants to rework and was just wondering what to do with them. And then it was just sort of like, I was like, okay, the, the butt is definitely having a moment for a long time now. I mean, ever since uh, Kardashians came into um, the spotlight. So why not like highlight the butt, but also make it wearable? Because I think the McQueen's pants, like they were too low. I, I don't think it's, 
quite wearable. Like, of course you can wear it to a party, but you know, maybe they slouch too much or something. So I just, I was like, okay, let's, let's just show the butt with like a little cutout. And then, and then I was just, I was just kind of joking. I just made one pair and then people started to be into it. And I was quite surprised that it's like a little, little joke. And then um, somehow it, it took off. And now I see more and more butt pants, more and more um, just like designs featuring the butt, you know, I'm not saying I was the first one, but there is definitely way more butt action now than there was uh, I don't know, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you contributed to that movement. <laughs> I mean, listen, yesterday I saw butt pants on fucking ASOS. So what does that tell what? us? But at the same time, I was reading the comments and, I, and, and everybody hated it. And I was so surprised. I'm like, oh. okay, so maybe there's a difference between my audience because people generally love butt pants and like where I am. And then people on ASOS hated them they were like this is fashion please don't do this ladies don't buy these and i'm just yeah i was quite surprised totally no i think it just appeals to different people and then uh, there is a reason why they go to your brand instead um for sure um yeah but, the, the asos yeah. ones weren't upcycled so yes you know. yes <laughs> i mean oh there are also uh those uh, online as um, retailers of fashion and they start to introduce a circle of fashion uh, projects which i think is great right it's it's great initiative you have to build awareness to the mass public but okay. um how true are they <laughs> well that's that's exactly the question you know like of course they're catching up like they realize that they're not going to survive if they're not going to do this like um that's why I don't trust any of this and nobody should. And the only way how to do the best thing for the environment, for the people, is to not buy from those brands. And that's it, that's it. It's point blank, that, that's simple. Like, fuck them. Um, there are so many other ones that you should support with your money. Uh, so, the, and that's, that's that, I, you know, green initiatives, great. Have we had environmental problems since the fucking, when they realized it in the 60s, when there was first mention of sustainable development and shit like this? Yeah. So where were they then? You know, it's so obvious they're only doing it to stay relevant. That's it. And you, nobody should support that. I'm That's not going to, I'm not going to clap like too late. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I think your statement is, is clear and I would just, um, maybe it's naive from, from me to uh, hope that, but I would like that uh, when people see those um, initiatives from the big brands, I would like them to actually question that and then look for alternatives from small brands and think to themselves, okay, like, is it even possible that a big brand like this would make it possible? If not, then I have to find someone who actually does it. It's, it's a great idea, right? Like now I know it. I'm, I'm glad I got to learn about it, but who does it right in the first well place. i mean yeah we go back to this like um the the, the population and uh, how educated they are about the issues you know and then of course it's good when sustainability is mainstream that's great but at the same time it's 
the same players that got us into this mess. So why should we trust them to take us out of this mess? You know, yeah. I don't think that there is there is a disconnect and like whoever doesn't make the connection is um, is maybe a bit ignorant. I'm not going to blame the consumers. I really hate when people do that. Like, oh, it's you know, it's the people's fault who buy fast fashion. No, it's not. It definitely not. But I hope that rather than sustainability, uh, what people will uh, advocate for is to be informed and to get your own information, to be motivated, to find the information, to to you know get knowledge about these about these issues, rather than just you know vote with your wallet, like whoever's selling you something green, then you buy it. No, mm -hmm. people need to really get their information. That's true. That's true. But also, uh, uh, you yourself, as a small uh, independent designer, you get to work with some uh, big uh, brands. Yeah. And it's not to say that you advocate one thing and you then turn around and do your own thing. But it's more about that the brands uh, find out about you and they come to you uh, because maybe you have something to offer for them. Yeah, I... I... I think it's exactly like what you said. I advocate one thing and I do another. Like that should be clear that I recognize this and everybody who does this should recognize this because otherwise it just seems like, you know, they like they and me, we have some sort of special treatment where we can do this, but you can't do this. No. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, I do it for the money and uh, the money isn't, you know, uh, buying me villas or anything like that. I'm just trying to make a living here and um, grow the business to the to the position where I don't need this, where when they ask me to do something, I can just be like a no way in hell. So um, until that is the case, I think I'll keep doing this. And unfortunately, um, they know it, you know, the, the big brands, of course, like they come to the, to the small brands or to, to artists, um, who are struggling, especially now, especially now it's just so easy to get us on board because we're all struggling like 2020, um, people didn't really need clothes because they couldn't really go anywhere, you know, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. So it's been, it's been kind of shit. And, uh, this is what, uh, what pays the rent mm -hmm. and how is it for you to work with those big brands do you get to express your creativity sometimes yeah it really depends like sometimes they they're okay with you doing whatever but sometimes it is limiting and and that, that's it's quite aggravating but that anybody could tell you that you know if if you have creative freedom in what you do daily and then somebody comes in they want something and then uh, all of these restraints and the restraints don't always make sense you know not at least not to me sometimes and like why like when they asked me to make a tutorial uh upcycling tutorial but they didn't want me to use a sewing machine and i'm like well, but that's what i do like all day long why would i why would i give you some like mommy diy tutorial when uh, when that's not what I do, because they wanted to just sell it to a larger audience. Not everybody has a sewing machine, so they wanted me to not use one either. So yeah, that's just kind of like 
that's that's what happens or i was i was making costumes for a tour for an artist and this artist didn't even know what upcycling is like they, they didn't give a shit you know i was like okay but you you want me to make these things and i just have to tell you that it might not be possible for me to get these materials secondhand to get this blah 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 they didn't care. They just wanted this, you know, they, they, I had to explain what upcycling means or, or this kind of stuff. Or then they turned out to be homophobes, you know, and I was just like ready to blow my brains out. Like, why am I even doing this? This is completely ridiculous. But it was paid, you know, <laughs> and that's just that's just the really sad, tragic thing about this um this kind of community or society or, or society you know like people just do stuff for money because none none of us have it and um hopefully one day we don't have to yeah hopefully but also i would just like to say that it wasn't the brand that uh doesn't do anything towards sustainability these are the people who position themselves to be sustainable to have sustainability strategy departments reporting and things like that right it's not like yeah. they are oblivious to that <laughs> no not at all i mean yeah yeah you know uh, a boyfriend was uh, looking for a job and then he he came across one sustainability officer mm -hmm. i think in salando right and uh, and he was like oh good luck getting somebody to do that and i'm like what do you mean like of course they're gonna get somebody doing like who who will do that even though it's a fucking lie. They, they will get somebody to do that. And, and then they're, they're all sort of living a lie, you know, thinking that some, some corporation like Zalando can ever be sustainable just based on the sheer volume of the shit that they put out every week. You know, I don't know. It was like Zara or I, I read a, um, like a number on how many designs they put out in a week or how many seasons they have in a year. And it's yeah. just crazy how somebody can think that that can ever be sustainable on this planet that we live on no that's um maybe that's financially sustainable business model but that's not <laughs> environmentally sustainable and of that course. is not uh, regenerative for the environment and i think overproduction is the biggest problem which gets usually overlooked so even if you say that you produce in a sustainable way but you still overproduce so how is that sustainable how is that regenerative how is that going to uh, provide the needs of the future generations if we exploit everything now right so i think yeah but it's maybe it, in your case, it, it is also voting with your wa wallet because how I see what you do is that you take the, the money stream from the big co companies and then you try to direct that to sustainable causes, to some bigger causes, to launch your brand, to make uh, people get wages for uh, the items that you produce. And then uh, by doing that, you can uh, create more output and then find more customers. So it goes hand yeah. in hand. Of course, no, I, I, of course, no, you're right. But at the same time, um, this, you know, me taking the money from the, from the big company, um, it's, it, that in itself is not sustainable because what then, um, you, you kind of enabling the corporation to, to keep existing like this, like we all do, you know, and that's why I feel so bad about it because it's, it's enabling them to to keep existing if we just all stop buying it 
they wouldn't have anybody to sell to and they would just go bust. And that's that's kind of what what needs to happen, you know. Um, we we can't excuse it anymore. I can't excuse it. It's just it's just until until that time comes, it, you know. It, it it's it's hard to imagine um, doing this without it. It. Yeah, but do you yeah. see? Do you know who could be the best um, front runners to bring up the change? So as I said. I think it would be the the outsiders, the the people who are, the people who are not um, benefiting from from the system. Because <clears throat> if they are, they have no motivation to change it. You know, it needs to be somebody who's who's not who's out who's an outsider. That's it. Some grassroots initiatives. Not even like I wouldn't even put myself in this group. You know, at, at this point maybe hopefully i'm working towards that you know mm -hmm. but at, at this point i'd say it would be the outsiders who, who i would trust the most to make a real change yes okay i can i can see that as well uh, why it would be the outsiders of course of course of course there is a place for for each of us you know of for, course for there there is a there is a role for the consumers. There is a role for the green fashion startups. There is a, a role for the fast fashion brands, even though we're trying to kill them. There is a role for, for everybody in the process. Um, but I think who would do it the best is the people who are not benefiting from the status quo right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, zero waste uh, will ever become mainstream? Uh, so the ideas that you do, do you think uh, there will be more startups and then um, big brands will take over eventually or oh well i think you have a lot of uh, zero waste initiatives already in the in the the big brands you know they they all rip i i just read a long as article dissecting uh, and analyzing all of these initiatives from the from the dinosaur brands you know like uh, but the high high fashion brands, not fast fashion. So like uh, Hugo Boss or Dior or uh, Louis Vuitton, these brands. Um, and they, they all have a, a plan. Not all of the plans are uh, time constrained. So that should tell you that they're not quite serious about it anyway. Um, but but I, I think what's important about this, the zero waste thing is that it's not a like it's almost impossible to create zero waste it just depends on what the waste is if the waste can um biodegrade or uh if you can use the waste for something else then sure but if if, if it's plastic it's going to be here for like thousands of years and it's it's very hard to get rid of so that that's the point like maybe not zero waste is the answer it's just what kind of waste we're creating just other thinking because uh we talk a lot about uh, those uh pet plastic bottles uh, rescued from the sea and then they are turned into shoes or um t-shirts or socks whatever but i think it's in essence it's still plastic of course on one hand you have to save it from the ocean that's for sure but the question is whether it has all ever been designed to put on your skin and the other thing is that it's plastic, people. It will go into the system and it will uh, shed the microfabrics and it, they will 
come back to the water and you will eat fish or seafood with the microfabrics in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they even found traces of plastic in, uh, in uh, babies, like in the embryos. Oh. So that's kind of fun, isn't it? Like we're becoming oh less God. human. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's it's uh, plastic is uh, is a, is a massive problem. I, I I honestly don't know, you know. And you can argue um, if you recycle bottles to become a sweater, can you you can't recycle the sweater any, anymore, you know. Whereas if you recycle bottles to become bottles, and then you recycle the bottles, and then you know it goes on. And uh, I read an article making a case for this rather than turning the plastic into a sweater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my, I, it's getting more and more complicated as we go on you know it, it definitely and then different industries start underpinning each other because like in this example bottle plastic bottles is like consumer goods it's uh the food related product and then it goes into the fashion industry which is also consumer goods but it doesn't have anything to do with food so it's wearable and um it gets very complex, as you said. It cannot circulate it then underpins in different industries and then makes it much more complicated. And um, mm. on that note, do you think that this recent global pandemic uh, has changed anything in the society? Well, I definitely remember back in spring, there was a lot of this um, kind of hope, like, oh my God, it's gonna change us. Uh, when the emissions started falling because nobody could go anywhere and everybody was hailing like, oh my God, we're on track for, for this year, uh, you know, for the first time to, to be on track with the emissions thing. Um, and then I was very pleased to see that uh, counter arguments started showing up. And that was, it was about, first of all, one year is not a long time to change how people operate completely and, and that's needed we need to change how we operate completely because this is this is not going to cut it like this is clearly it's too slow um not not everybody's on board you know so it's it's that's why we're we keep falling short with these um with these goals so <clears throat> what i'd say about this is I'm not that hopeful. I'm hoping the only thing that, um, you know, it's too early to, to see any real change in, in people's uh, behavior. So hopefully we will see that. But I still think one year is, is, is not enough to, to fundamentally change the system. And also what a lot of people are saying right now is that um, there were massive losses across industries this year and so what's coming is, 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 is all these industries trying to compensate for the loss. And, and so they will produce even more, they will market even more, um, and, and, and that's gonna be detrimental ultimately. It's gonna be even worse than it was before. I don't know, I, oh. I'm not that uh, optimistic. One, one thing I'm, I'm really always thinking about with COVID, like rather than fashion or anything else, it's eating meat. It's like, right, guys, like we had, I don't know how many, um, you know, uh, illnesses, the, the jumping to humans, let's say, like the, the easy way. Um, and, and we're still not talking about meat as the problem, like some people are, of course, but not really on, on, on some massive scale. 
Like that, that I think it should be the biggest takeaway from the pandemic that, that maybe eating meat on this scale, this much of meat is really, you know, not even sustainable, but just wise, smart, like we're all going to die. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, meat, meat production is uh, definitely one of the uh, biggest issues, and uh, yet it's it has such a huge history. It's it's just a part of the it's a part of our everyday life. So it would take a lot of effort to change the behavior, though it's absolutely needed. Yeah, but listen, like I'm not saying um, let's never eat meat again. That's that's what people hear when I say this, and and they are like, oh my god, she's taking away the meat. No, I'm not. I'm just saying like we don't have to have it every day. We don't have to have it three times a day. And there is, you know, the implications of doing it should be realized and more prominent. And um, there should be steps taken. To, to mitigate and and one of the steps is that meat is too cheap but we can talk about this forever like I, I don't yeah. wanna digress too much <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a, it's good to just touch upon that but uh, um, the reason why we uh, can talk about meat industry is also because it is related to fashion industry in a way that we use leather from um, meat. Uh, from animals like cows and uh, sheep and we also use wool and um, a lot of uh, raw materials come from from that industry. I am not knowledgeable enough to say whether the animals that are grown for meat production are the same animals that we then use for fashion like leather. Yeah, it's a byproduct actually. Mm -hmm. We do use the leather from the animals that uh, die for meat. Okay. Yeah, but 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 not the same with fur. Like no. uh, I don't know, you know what happened in Denmark? They had to kill all these minks because the minks got COVID. Like they were growing the minks just for the fur because you don't eat minks, you don't do anything with minks, you just get the fur. And like th this is even more problematic than taking leather as byproduct. I'm not saying that's yeah. not wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, there is still the, this. Yes. Yes, but then you could touch upon the other aspect that if you want to create a replacement, you would usually use plastic and that's another problem. So I would say you look into this as a circle, as a vicious circle, and we need to break out of it by creating new innovation, by creating alternative uh, fabrics and um, leather. Yeah, that's that was... Um... That was an interesting thing, uh, for example, about um, Stella McCartney. She, people ask me whether I like Stella McCartney because she's like the, the pioneer in sustainability and whatever. And like, you know what? Not really. Like, uh, and, and, and one, of the, one of the reasons why is, for example, she took a lot of time to develop this thing that looks exactly like fur. Like it behaves like fur, but it's not fur. So it's not from animals. And then you're just like, yeah, but isn't that also bad? Like, shouldn't we kind of maybe move away from, from making new fur or new types of fur and somehow sub substituting fur, you know? Yeah, we should, definitely. As you said, there are so many other options. Like, they're uh, making leather-like materials from pineapple um, skin. Yes, yes, <laughs> so absolutely. So better, no? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think we could talk and talk uh, 
about those topics for ages, but I think our time is uh, coming to the end. And I would like uh, to thus move uh, towards the um, part where I ask five questions and then I ask you to uh, finish the sentence and uh, have it as, as a small game. Yes, I'm All ready. Right. All right. So then the first question for you would be, to me, sustainability is? Generally misunderstood. And uh, what do you mean by that? Everything we talked about, like people, um, people take it for granted. You know, you say something is sustainable. They don't, you know, many times they don't go beyond what, like, what is sustainability? Is it, not many people take the time to understand the different parts of the, the concept, you know, you have the environmental, you have the social and you have the political. And that's why it's, it's, a, it's, a, it should be uh, like a round, well-rounded uh, initiative, as opposed to there is just the environmental, environmentally sustainable bit, you know, like, for example, these, uh, these companies, um, these big brands, they have, you know, they want to be using renewable energy, they want to be creating zero waste and blah, blah, blah. And then when it comes to the production, the social aspect, they're still producing this stuff in the factories where people are not paid enough to live. So it's, it can't be sustainable. It's, it's not sustainable. There's, there's a part missing and it's an important part. They're all equally important. That's why I say it's generally misunderstood. I totally agree. Um, I think it was a very good uh, wrap up of what we uh, talked about and you just put it in, in, in one sentence so that people could take uh, that away with them. Uh, then the next question would be, one thing I would like to see more of in the world is? Peace. That's Peace. a really good one. Peace Definitely. And, and action. Peace and action because <clears throat> people are, you know, we can, we're complacent and it, it, it's, it's, it's easily explained, of course, if you're not struggling for your livelihood, you don't have that much motivation to change anything about the world. You know, we're almost in the, in the Western Europe, we're almost sedated. If you can make enough money to, you know, get you through the month or save a little even, then then you're fine. Why would you, you know, go through the trouble of taking action, volunteering somewhere, or even donating your your money anywhere when when you don't have to? So yeah, meaningful action missing. We need to do it. Definitely. And I think um, the right place uh, to do it is when you come with a peaceful mind and the peaceful intentions, uh, because otherwise it could dis disturb and uh, it could send the wrong message. But when you come with peace in your mind, you act differently. You um, just seek for, for goodness. Maybe, maybe, maybe not even peace. I think that's like very broad, but more like empathy, mm -hmm. I'd say. If, if, you, if, it, if there's something that's, uh, that's a bit selfless, in you then of course you know taking the action somebody said helping others is the most meaningful thing you can do for yourself like for your well-being you know and that's what people should uh, should realize more totally totally 
but uh, then moving to the next question, uh, for a complete beginner in the sustainability area, I would suggest to start off with. Stop buying from corporations that harm the world. Stop buying from H&M, stop buying from Amazon. Just, just don't do it. And then another thing is research research about um, what's important to you. And again, as I said over and over, um, take action. Uh, research what's around you, you know, what you can help locally, because then, you know, your, your action has more impact. It's very hard to impact a global thing, but we can all do like little bits um, around us that will make, a, you know, the that place. That will make a, bit. a huge uh, difference in the global scale, I think. Yes, totally. Um, every sustainable business uh, should understand what exactly they're doing and who benefits from it. I think that's that's the most important thing. You know, you business has a lot of parts to it, and you should understand what each part is doing and the implications and the. And, and, and who benefits? Is it just you? Is it other others as well? You know, does the world benefit? <laughs> does the environment benefit? All of these things uh, you should understand. And, and, the, and the thing is a very smart thing I read um, is that you should focus on the progress as opposed to on perfection. So, and this was for me very hard in the beginning, you know, I was like, fuck, I'm using this, I don't know, plastic thing because it's the cheaper option and because I can't afford the more expensive option because I'm just starting out. I would be very hard on myself and it's, it's good to be hard on yourself to, you know, to motivate yourself to do better, but just focus on the progress and not the perfection. Of course, I think it's, it's, one of the key things that uh, a lot of youth uh, struggles with uh, right now, or so a lot of research says that everyone wants to be uh, perfect. They think that everything comes, it just comes from the sky almost. It just comes perfectly right at you, which is not really true. No. You go through so much things. You take so many actions uh, to... Um, get where you are and um, I, I can also agree that um, while being hard on yourself is, is good and motivated that it, 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 it brings the progress but you also have to focus more on the journey itself do you do you think you do something meaningful and um, uh, are you better than you were yesterday a year ago two years back <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, are you better or more like, uh, are you are you are you helping something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's because there's th th like a slippery slope. I feel like like the social media, uh, you know, age of social media is all of us is sort of gearing towards this. Like, I need to be better. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to, you know, a lot of people when the um, the, the Black Lives Matter reignited this this spring. They were like, okay, I have to be the best as uh, at the, the the racial stuff. So I'm just gonna read a lot of books, including me. So <laughs> this was a, a jab at myself because the first thing I did, I just bought a bunch of books. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna understand this. I'm gonna get this. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a different thing. Like, we're 
we're not just supposed to be striving to be our best selves. We're supposed to be striving uh, to to be of best help to to our surroundings. That's so true. That's so true. Um, and then uh, coming back to your brand, how do you see Melissa Minka in two to three years? Uh, not that different. I I just wanna I just wanna work as a part of a community, and hopefully, when we can all meet again, um, this is something I'd like to do is. Uh, get a bit more involved with others and uh, work together uh, towards something as opposed to just me alone here, one one brand. Um, two or three years, maybe a bit too soon for my bigger plan, but one day I'd like to, <clears throat> to have a, my own workshop where I produce the stuff, well, not myself, but with uh, others and hopefully myself as well, because I love I love making stuff, so I, I want to keep doing that too. So yeah, like a like a little little place, a little community around it, um, like-minded people working towards a more just world, and still, you know, bring people joy with clothes. Yes, <laughs> that's important to me. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you right now? Um, it, like my clothes. Yes, and where can they uh, follow along uh, your journey and uh, interact with uh, where you are and uh, where you're at? Instagram is where I do my most uh, marketing or content or whatever. And then on my website, you can buy whatever you want. Um, always, I'm happy to answer any questions. Talk to me about uh whatever you you're not sure about with the clothes because the the process is a bit different than in a in a normal shop where you just click buy and that's it so yeah email uh, instagram go to my website and then you can also book to come here to the studio and um to have a little bit more personal experience definitely i would absolutely encourage that uh to create more personal connection and trying out uh, upcycling themselves, spread the word and uh, um, participate, engage uh, with your brand. And uh, also, uh, I hope that you would see more um, visual feedback from your customers so that they will send you pictures or post and tag you there so that you could also reshare so that this uh, movement would ripple and it would reach more and more people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Melissa, is there anything else you would like to mention or otherwise what would be your three main key takeaways you would like everyone to take from this conversation with me? Um, the revolution is coming. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm in this like fighting spirit right now. Um, hopefully it will last. Uh, so take that away. It's, it's, it's happening and do do what you can to to help out um to you know change the system basically rebuild it open your eyes and get to work that's my that that's your takeaway from this it's and the last thing that's the most important is that it's very easy to be quite desperate right now and uh to just you know if you are 
perceiving what's happening around you, if you're watching the news, it's very easy to get desperate. But how you can mitigate this feeling is to take action and uh, it will help you to feel a bit less desperate. That's a really good wish. And on that note, I would really like to thank you for our conversation. I think it was very insightful. I myself learned a lot of new things. And I really hope that others will definitely find something appealing and interesting for them too. And if they are in Berlin, they would pay a visit to come see you, see your studio. Or if they're somewhere else in the world, uh, go browse through uh, Melissa Minka website. Uh, and I'm pretty sure something will catch your eyes as well. I hope our talk with Melissa Minka was exciting for you and you found something interesting in our conversation about upcycling challenges of being an independent label, and fashion industry overall. I hope you appreciate an honest and eye-opening conversation we had with Melissa and can also see why it is important to take meaningful actions in order to bring about positive changes. If you found something interesting in our talk, go ahead and share that with your friends on social media, tag at myconscious underscore living on Instagram and use hashtag the fashion podcast that is one word so that i could reshare your findings with others as well if you like my podcast content feel free to follow and subscribe rate and review this podcast let's make it a number one podcast in circular and sustainable fashion scene your support means a lot to me and i am extremely grateful for everyone listening and spreading a word about my podcast Thank you so, so much for listening and helping this podcast grow. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care.